Hey guys, welcome to another episode of She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I am your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessinio. It's right there at the bottom of the screen. So today I have the pleasure of having this conversation about um, the Wolves match with Sophie from Highbury Squad and Dan from Same Old Arsenal. I do wish that we were having this conversation or um, having this podcast in like a greater or a better scenario. You know, I'm still a little rocked and traumatized from yesterday, but we're just going to make it work. We're going to try to have a good time, talk about some of the bad stuff and try to work our way back around to something positive. So let's get started. Hey guys. Hey. How's how's it going? Um, it's, it's a, you know, I want to ask you guys how you guys are doing. Sophie, rack of ribs last night. How did that go down? I uh, went down a treat. I even had a twice baked potato, which was really decadent. It's not like me to carve it out, but I just went nuts. And I'm not going to lie. I hardly slept last night. This is so <laughs> ridiculous. This hasn't happened to me with Arsenal in a long, long time. And I just couldn't switch it off last night at all. I got to bed at like, I don't know, maybe it was 4 a.m., woke up at 7, so I'm on three hours sleep. But I have old Mr. Java with me, so everything's good. Yeah, it was hard to shake that one off. It really was. It it really was. Like, I still feel like I've been jolted. You know, it's like an outer body experience. It really does feel a little bit like when we got knocked out of Europa League last year, like where I woke Mm -hmm. up and I was like, did that really happen? Dan, Mm -hmm. how are you feeling? Do you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not so distraught as some people. I think what I've what I've done with this team is is grown to accept that they are not to be trusted, and mm. I think that's why I've accepted it a little bit more. I think mm. when you get into the stage of getting frustrated with this team, you will start to use the term "Arsenal, I love you," but "f you," right? Because that yes. is what people feel like. That is what people feel like, and. I'm looking a little bit further outside of the box. I think if this was, like you say, Jesse, Europa League game, I would be fuming right now. But it wasn't. It was a game that we can pick ourselves back up from and go ahead. Because do you know what? Everybody thought that was game was going to get us top four. And I've always been of the opinion that that is just too much of an ask for us. So I think that may now hopefully give us more of a realistic view to try and get as much as we can into these Europa League games and go on a Europa League run because that's what I'm looking forward to this season um, ahead of the league games because the league kind of already been messed up in September, October time. So I need to be realistic. And as much as it frustrated me last night, and I was really frustrated at half time, of course, like everybody was, I've kind of got over it now. I've accepted that we, it's time to move on and, and uh, you know, try and look forward as much as we can. I think the issue, though, Dan, is that we were on a run, okay, and we had momentum. And I think most of us know we're not going to finish in the top four, but we want to finish as high up in the league as possible, even to get a Europa League spot if we don't win the Europa League, because we need European money either way uh, to help us be able to be more you know, competitive in the transfer market. The Europa League money comes in handy for a club that is really struggling. We've taken out the loan. We've had to pay off some some of the player contracts and we're looking to pay that loan back um, in the summer. So it's it's frustrating in the sense of that and also the fact that we were on this seven-on-game beaten run. We were gaining momentum. A team that has been mentally impotent, you know, started to find its groove and to lose to the worst informed team in the entire Premier League, and we were the second form team after Manchester City, is a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. So from that point of view, and the discipline, the fact that we've had nine red cards and the closest team after us is three red cards, that is a huge issue under Arteta. So for those reasons, I think that's you know that's kind of where I was really frustrated um, in terms of what happened last night. Yeah, I, I I think I land a little bit closer to Sophie on this one. I, I think it's with Arsenal, it's always the hope that kills you. And even though I agree with Sophie, I didn't think that Champions League was really realistic. I thought, you know, Europa League is kind of what we're, we're going for. We're trying to qualify for that. But it's just the way it happened, you know, the way it unfolded. It's not like we lost to, like like Sophie said, one of the better teams. We They're the, the worst. They had the worst form you know, up until that point. And they, to me, in my opinion, they didn't do really anything to win that game. 
it was literally just handed to them, you know. Well, so the, that worldie was at first. I was worldie, like, yes, could Lena, yeah. could Lena, could Leno have saved that? And then I saw the replay, and I was like, wow. No I way. Mean, it was. It went in off the post. Even he was close to it. He wasn't too far off. Leno, yeah, yeah. Given to think, be fair, but. I think if anybody could have saved that, it would have been Leno because, you know, he's a really good shot stopper and he's usually good in those scenarios. So if he couldn't, if he couldn't get it, then, you know, what can you do? But I did want to kind of just start the show off talking a little bit about the first half, because to me, I thought that that was the best football that we played all season, you know, and that's why I was like, I kept saying like on Twitter, I was like, please score the goal, because if we don't score the goal, something might happen. And lo and behold, I think we needed probably two or three to Mm -hmm. keep the craziness from, you know, after the incident, you know, to happen. So Sophie, if I told you a couple of weeks ago that Pepe would be almost undroppable and Saka <laughs> would be electrifying the league, you know, and Pepe would be doing it from the left and Saka would be doing it for the right, from the right, would you have believed me or would you well, think I was crazy? I, I would believe you about Saka. Big play mm-hmm. him anywhere. The kid's a baller. You know, he's just a footballer. He can play in so many different positions when needed. And, you know, there are very few footballers that can do that, especially in the modern day game. Uh, Wayne Rooney was someone that you could put him anyway. He's just a footballer, right? Maitland Niles is a hybrid player who I think that I hope that doesn't come back to bite us in the ass in case we get injuries. But I think Pepe struggled. It's, it's coincidental, isn't it, that with all these players outgoing, he's performing better. And then at the same time, maybe the competition with William has lit a fire under his ass. You know, I think there's been complacency in this team, not real competition for places. And I think under Arteta, he's made it clear that just because of the name on the back of the shirt, that doesn't mean that you automatically get into the team. And I I think yesterday we saw what most Arsenal fans have been wanting to see, right? Pepe playing on that side. And his goal was fantastic. I heard someone say, oh, you know, he kind of got lucky getting through um, one of the players because they, I can't remember which defender it was. I don't know if it was Cody, but going through, he nutmegged him and it was like poor defending. I think it was more of a case of showing his talent and seeing what Pepe finally has to offer. But for me, he's got to do that game after game after game. It can't be just two or three games, uh, but he's at least strung some really good performances together. And we're finally seeing the player that, you know, we've kind of dreamed of. It's just a shame that after scoring that goal and the team having all the momentum, I mean, Wolves were absolutely crap in the first half. We were all over them. And when Saka hit the post in the first minute and a half, guys, I thought, oh God, please don't let it be one of those games. It just felt like, man, he should have buried that. So as much as we've lauded Saka, that was a real missed opportunity. Um, But he's been incredible. Uh, He's the future of Arsenal. He's unbelievable talent. He's our Phil Foden. He's our Jack Grealish. He's our Rashford. Um, And I think that he's the kind of player that isn't even hitting a peak yet. We haven't even seen the best of him. So let's see what happens with Pepe and uh, and if he can carry on this consistency. And it's going to take a lot for Arteta to pick this team up mentally after losing in the manner in which we did yesterday. Yeah, I agree. Dan, how did you feel about the first half? Like, did you think that that was the best football that we've played or are we overplaying it a little bit? No, I don't think we are overplaying it. I thought it was exceptional football. I really did. And I think that, listen, I think you both know I'm not, Arteta's biggest fan. I've not been convinced. Yeah, I've not been convinced this season so far. These last three games are the only time the whole of this season that I have sat back and thought, you're answering questions for me now. I can see a style. I can see us playing out from the back. I can see high press. I understand the passing in triangles. I think Smith Rowe and Saka have come into the team and infused the likes of Lacazette. He's managed to get Pepe playing in the last three games. We're looking at players still coming back into this side, remember, that are going to improve us. Aubameyang, Tierney, Pablo Marie, Gabriel, um, Thomas Partey has been immense, absolutely immense. That's so, so far better than anybody else on that pitch. His passing ability is outstanding. Although I thought he was sloppy against Man United, believe it or not, I do think he's heads and shoulders above anybody else in that team. I can't believe he's come to Arsenal and I can't believe no one else went for him. I mean, it's unbelievable Like for no one else to go for him for that much money as well is an absolute steal. He's making Granite Xhaka look good. <laughs> um, so for me... I think we're looking at these players now and and seeing something the last three games, which I can finally be proud of and I can finally get excited about because I haven't been a happy bunny, to be honest with you. And this game was the epitome of that. For me, it was something special in terms of the passing. The creativity was there. I thought Saka, like Sophie said, should have just placed that instead of smashing it. Unfortunately, you know, 
rush 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 of blood to the head and he's lashed it in it's come off the post i think if he had a little bit more calmness about it that could have just been sort of passed into the net lacazette shame about his foot being offside because that was a great opportunity for us as well to go uh so we're thinking we could be two or three nil up here now and like sophie said you think is it going to be one of those days but pepe then comes along and does what he hasn't done for a long long time and scores one of the best solo goals he's probably going to score albeit a little bit lucky in parts it was a great finish um, and then it all goes well, doesn't it? Until that lot, that incident right at the end of the first half. And I think that what again makes it easier for me is I'm seeing performances of the last three games that I can understand where we're going with it. I was so confused, so confused with what we were seeing. I was, I wasn't seeing a style. I was seeing city substitutions, which I'm sure we'll come on to. I was seeing team selections. I didn't agree with. I was seeing players that were getting forced into that side when I didn't think they deserved to be there. It was all a bit of a mess. And what I have seen in the last three games is something that I can understand. And that's all I've been asking this manager since September is show me something different and make me realise that what I'm seeing on the pitch isn't what I should be seeing. And the last three games have proven that. And the Wolves game, I would say, yeah, I agree with you, Jess. That probably was the best half of football, apart from the ending, that we've seen all season. So it's such a shame. Yeah, It really is. I agree with that 100%. And I think over... The time that Arteta has been here, I've been pretty much up and down. So now I'm kind of taking it day by day because I really don't want to just be reactionary. That's kind of how I felt. It's like when we were doing well, I was like, okay, Arteta's the best. And then as soon as he, you know, did something that I didn't like, I was like, okay, he's out. So now I'm kind of in that that in between space where I'm taking it day by day because we still don't know. Like I still have questions about Arteta's like substitutions and some of his man management and those things are not going to go away overnight. But the playing style like Dan said, is I think the the biggest thing that we've seen in the last couple of days and Mm -hmm. the last couple of games. Like you said, the pressing is something that we didn't have before. And I'm not sure if it's just because we have players out there that are willing runners, willing to do the work. I think that's a lot of it is dropping some of the players that unfortunately, I don't think Arteta, I think Arteta already knows he's not going to be able to get a bombing and Willian and players that think that maybe they're, this is just me maybe just, you know, it may not be true, but it seems like some of our players that are a little bit on the the older side, the more senior players are not as willing runners, willing to run into space, willing to run after, you know, lost causes and stuff like that. And I think the catalyst to all of this has been that Chelsea game where we saw Martinelli and ESR and Saka just running their socks off. And ever mm-hmm. since then, we've seen that even players that weren't doing that before are now starting to do that as well the high press, having Emil Smith-Rowe in there, party, being able to string a couple games together, I think has changed everything. So, yeah. yeah, and we'll circle back around to kind of talk about what that means for us in the future. But I do kind of want to touch on the incident. I think that's what everybody's kind of calling it now is the incident. The so, incident. <laughs> yeah. Dan, do you think that there's anything that David Luiz could have done to prevent that? Or was he just unlucky? What do you think? I think he was pure unlucky. I'm not a huge fan of David Lewis and he can't help himself, can he? He's a liability. However, if I had to look at it seriously, I think when I first watched the incident, I threw my hands up in the air and said, not again, this guy is a clown. Then when I looked at the replay, I realised actually there wasn't much he could have done about it. It was a pure accident. It's bad defending, don't get me wrong. Him and him and Holding got split massively there. You know, two players that everyone's lauding got absolutely done in that, in that situation and in that incident. He then runs back. Um, he's got caught out of position and unfortunately it clips his leg and he's gone down. David Luiz, could he have done anything better? Yeah, he could have probably gone in for a tackle because apparently if you do that, you only get a yellow card. Um, so <laughs> I think that if you look back at it now, perhaps he could have gone in for a challenge. I think it's a stupid rule. Um, it was an accident. It is a penalty. I just don't agree that it is a sending off. But if the rules are stating that it is, I can't do much about that. But your, to answer your question, could he have done anything, anything better? I think looking back at it in hindsight, of course, he could have probably made a challenge. But at the time, he's thinking, I'm just going to try and get back. And in his mind, I think he's probably thinking, don't make a talent challenge because I normally get sent off for these. I normally give away penalties. And what's happened? He then gets sent off and gives away a penalty. So literally, I, I look at that situation again and, and, and I do feel a little bit sorry for David Lewis, if I'm honest with you. Sophie, do you agree with that? I'm going to come around. To, I, I want to get your opinion first. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
the most stupid rule? What is it with the modern day football rules? What is it with, you know, in, in, in the States, the NFL, they tweak rules every season. And a lot of the times it enhances the game or it makes the game better. Uh, I was listening to Shaka Hislop uh, last night on ESPN FC because I think he was part of the committee that, you know, was approached as the focus group for this particular rule. And, you know, just I, at first, you're just mad that we've conceded a penalty and we've given away a red card. And we've we've gone down to 10 men after completely dominating the game. But in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking teams have won games with 10 men. And sometimes we've actually played better with 10 men back from the Sogradis, Ozil, Mustafi days. We've, we've actually been able to do that. Um, but yesterday I was just mad, but today I'm mad at the rule. And unfortunately, what I didn't like was the referee wasn't even willing to just go to the monitor. What's the point in having the monitor? He's been told, obviously, that it's a clear-cut penalty, so he's not going to the monitor. But in that situation, I just think that, you know, they should absolutely make it a rule to have to check the monitor as part of football and part of the game when a penalty is involved. It takes 30 seconds to go over and do it. They do it in most leagues. Why can't the Premier League get this kind of stuff right? And so for me, I mean, he barely touched him. You could actually see grass if you when you blow up that picture. You can see a blades of grass in between the stud and David Luiz's knee. And to be fair to him, as he's running in, he almost lifts his arm up as if to say, I'm not making a challenge here. I just thought that was really unfair. And you look back at the Man United-Brighton game where Brighton should have had a clear-cut penalty in a similar situation. They give the penalty. The referee went to the screen, comes back, and of course it's Manchester United and the penalty is rescinded. So the consistency is what drives fans insane. And until they get these kinds of things right, look what's happened with this referee and us this season. He's, we've not won a game that he's officiated in. And what is all the fist pumping at the end of the game with the players, with the Wolves players? I just, I woke, I woke up more angry and more livid about the fact that he's fist pumping Moutinho. He's, he's fist pumping Connor Cody as Bellerin's trying to have a conversation with him. What is that? That is unacceptable and unprofessional. And I personally think that he should be banned for those reasons, less on the red card, because apparently he's just doing his job. But to be actually fist pumping, I know we've seen Gwen Doozy hug um, referees and stuff like that. But in those moments and in that game, I just thought that was just so inappropriate. So whew, I guess I haven't simmered down much, but, you know, I thought I had. Terrible. It was really a momentum killer. As soon as that happened, I knew we weren't going to win that game. It just right. felt like the, the air had gone out of the team. That really affected them mentally and they never recovered. And, and Arteta didn't do a good enough job for me at halftime to get them um, less angry because they came out way too hot in the second half. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think when you look at the game and you see that there was even a similar challenge on Saka that was completely waved away and not even looked at as a penalty. But as I think... At, at first, I thought that David Luiz might have been able to do something like just really just completely just step away. Because if you guys do remember in the FA Cup final, Karen Tierney had a similar situation where he just let Pulisic go and he went in and scored the goal mm -hmm. and he made it obvious I didn't touch him. And I think that's because, you know, in his mind, he could think quick enough and say, you know, if if I go and I tackle him now, stick a leg out, it's a penalty, a red card, and we're down in the FA Cup final five minutes into the game. So I was thinking maybe David Luiz could have had that same type of like mental, you know, just kind of like, let me stop here. But realistically, he really didn't touch him very much. I think it was super unlucky for David Luiz. And um, some, I, I want to call this a reputation red. I, I have to, you know, it, at least in the fact that it wasn't checked for a long amount of time, where are all the lines where are all the stop? Let's look at the, the play over and over and over again. If you guys remember when Aubameyang stepped on Max Meyer's ankle last mm -hmm. season, they played it over and over and over and over again until they made it into a red. So right. I'm not sure why we don't get the same benefit of the doubt. Why when we go down in the box, it's just waved away. No, 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 nothing. But when we do something, it's, it's just there's no equality whatsoever. And I think just like Sophie, I'm more irritated at the fact that there's no consistency. There's mm -hmm. just none. You don't see it unless they're 
talking about giving consistently giving us bad calls, you know, and it's been happening for years. That's good one. It's consistent. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only thing that's consistent is that as soon as that uh what is the name? William Jose, as soon as he went down, I was like, that's it. Cause mm. all they had to do was see the curly hair and the number 23, and he thought, Yep, yeah, he's out of there. And, but think and of it, just if we had taken our chances, yeah, right, this would be a moot point. We'd exactly. be angry, but we'd, you know, by then maybe we should be three and a, three nil up, right, Dan, and as well. And it's like, you know, unfortunately, we just didn't take our chances when we had them, and this costs you in football. It and does. we've seen that in terms of how many goals that we've scored. I mean, if you look at the top ten guys of assists, um, if you look at the top ten of goal scorers or the top five, six, whatever, we're not even close. We're nowhere near. We haven't created enough chances this season. And that is something that needs to be rectified. And that is a lot to do with the coach and, of course, the players executing. But we've got to be better at that next season. You know, we do. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. That's why, you know, it's we want to talk about the officiating. I know that that's like um, kind of like the low hanging fruit here in terms of where we can place our anger. But we also have to think about what led up to this you know, entire situation unfolding. And I really just, I have to go back to the mischances, but also us clicking off and turning off like right before halftime, allowing them to slip that ball in. It really was a ripple effect. So we can't just say it was the refs, mm-hmm. you know, but unlucky for us, we're down a man at this point at halftime, Arteta takes Lacazette out and brings in Gabrielle, you know, and, Dan, do you think that that would like Lacazette was unlucky to get hooked? Do you think that that was the the most um, logical person to take out, or maybe we could have subbed ESR out? What do you think? Um, there's only one player in this squad that can hold the ball up, and it's the guy he's taken off. So I was uh, baffled. I was really surprised. I didn't quite understand it. And then when I look at who's coming on. The last time we had 10 men and we got something out of the game, somebody scored a wonder goal. That somebody was on the bench and didn't even get a game. I was surprised not to see Martinelli. I really was because I think what you need is that tenacity and that pace up top. So if you're going to replace Lacazette with somebody that is not going to be somebody that you want to hold the ball up, then you give it to somebody who can make something happen. Now, obviously, Aubameyang of old, um, and we're only talking a few months ago, would be that guy. But at the moment, he's not. And I think that Martinelli, although people are saying he's coming back into the mix, I think you see something special with this kid. And we haven't seen something special with Aubameyang all season. So I was really surprised at who came on and who come on for. Uh, uh, for. <clears throat> I think sometimes his decisions have been questioned, and I've certainly been one to do that. But I don't think he helps himself, Arteta. I mean, I was waiting for Eddie Nketiah to come on. Luckily, he wasn't selected because that's the most <laughs> most subbed man I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I, I can't understand the logic there whatsoever. Um, so I think when you look at the situation and think this game has completely changed, we need something now. Gabriel coming on is absolutely fine because you put your centre-half on next to Rob Holding from the one who's just been sent off. Bringing off Lacazette for me was baffling. And I think that if you're going to then bring somebody else on, I would have made it Martinelli because I think that there's somebody there that knows what it's like to go and do something special against Chelsea as he did last season. And who knows, something could have happened there. Martin, uh, sorry, Aubameyang, I'll get it right in a minute. Aubameyang had his chance uh, at the end and it just didn't look like half a chance to me. It come a little bit behind him, which is perhaps unfair, but uh, I thought he could have done a little bit better with that chance. Um, but Sophie's right. Listen, we haven't been finishing our dinner for most of the season. Um, we've fluffed a lot of chances. You know, remember when we went through those chances against Liverpool where Lacazette goes through and Alisson saves it? Should have been in. Man City, Saka had two chances that Edison saved, should have been in. Against Leicester, Lacazette was pretty much standing on the line and missed it. So I look at this, those sort of chances that have, have made us kind of um, go back and, and worry and wonder what could have been if they would have been in. So this isn't new missing our chances, two or three nil up against Wolves, but we weren't. It's always in hindsight. It's always a what if with Arsenal, always a what if. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. You know, and I, I, I question the substitutions. I really do. I, I question the Pepe one, but I, I really question the Lacazette one because 
it just didn't make sense to me to take off somebody who can, like you said, hold up the ball. It really made no sense. You know, you ESR, like Smith Rowe, love Smith Rowe. He's, he was dead on his feet at that, at that point. There's nothing he could have done for us at that point. I think you take ESR off and you leave Lacazette in so that he can hold the ball up and just come a little bit deeper. But to me, I was trying to figure out, like, are we just – are we just going through the motions? Is there no game plan? Because at halftime, I still thought we had a chance. Wolves were crap. I I still, maybe I was delusional, but I still expected us to at least tie the game, at, at the very least. I still thought we could have went on and, um, and won it. Sophie, what did you think about the substitutions as a whole? You know, Aubameyang coming on for Pepe, you know, Mm, I think I, I agree with both of you on this one completely. I think ESR looked gassed, you know, and with Aston Villa coming up, you could argue that maybe Odegaard should play against Villa. He looks tired. He looks like he needs to be rested. But these were the two games where we needed to get three points, 100%, especially because Villa have two games in hand and we have to beat Villa, you know, because if they win their games in hand, even they get a little further away from us in the table as well. So for me, I think Arteta made those subs with the intent to just try and get a point out of this game. Wow. If he'd have, if he'd have um, substituted um, ESR, not bought on Gabriel, I'd think, you know what, he still thinks we can nick this. We can just throw someone up front, manage the game at the back. They really weren't creating any chances. They weren't threatening us other than splitting, holding, and Louise right there at the end, as Dan said earlier. And I felt like, you know, we could go on and win this. But to me, it felt like, he didn't think maybe that we could and he was willing to settle for the point. That's just my opinion. I don't know that as a fact I wasn't in the dressing room, but the substitution shows you. Lacazette also is a leader and he's one of very few leaders on the pitch. The young players gravitate to him. He's inspired them on and off the pitch. He leads by example by his work rate, whether he's got the ball or he's off the ball. One of the most underappreciated players, a little bit like Olivier Giroud. Fans didn't know what they had until it was gone. And Lacazette has been consistent. He's put his head down. He's fought for his place. Um, he went through a terrible patch of form. But he's the kind of player right now that really leads by example. So I thought that was a really big mistake. Aubameyang's just been through a life experience. From what we understand, he, he almost lost his mum. Then he goes into quarantine. Was he really ready to come on and play in a game like this where we needed to fight tooth and nail and maybe get a little bit dirty? He hasn't exemplified those examples this season. I adore Aubameyang. He saved us for two seasons, almost won the golden boot playing on the left where everyone's complaining about the fact that he's playing on the left this season. So to me, it just felt like Arteta got that wrong. And it's okay to say that he got the subs wrong and not want the guy fired. This is another thing <laughs> that Dan and I talk about all the time, Jess, because people come at us because we have an opinion about how he manages the game, okay? And I think after we went down to 10 men, he missed the moment. He really missed the moment and he didn't make the right decision. Now, I also think that, at halftime, you have to mentally prepare the players and the players have to actually prepare themselves in that. How We have to go out, not, not get into any trouble. Xhaka got that yellow card. Now he's playing with the yellow card. So it felt like we lost. We were so angry that we weren't ready for that second half. Right. And I think taking Lacazette off, sometimes certain substitutions also affect players. So right. for me, I think that he got that wrong completely. And I wouldn't have taken... Pepe was... At that point, like Dan said, you need a Martinelli or a Saka or a Pepe who can turn a game with, without anybody else helping them because they're that talented. And mm. I think that's really, um, you know, he, he really mismanaged that, which is a shame. Yeah. And I, I know it may seem like we're nitpicking and, you know, as soon as, you know, David Luiz got the red card, that all was lost. But I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I really don't think that. I think that Wolves are, were so bad that even with 10 men, we should have been able to scrape something with that. And clearly to me, I, I'm going to say this, and I, I don't want to be like nitpicking towards Thomas Party, but I do think that maybe if he was mentally all the way into the game, he would have been a little bit closer to Matinho. If you watch the clip back, he could have gotten a little bit closer and maybe that would have stopped him from scoring the Golasso or whatever. But I'm just nitpicking at this point. But I do think that, you know, Going down to 10 men doesn't automatically 
mean that we can't analyze the game any further after that and it's just all lost. It's not. There's still decisions that we could have made and taking off Lacazette to me was was a mistake. I agree with Sophie on that. And I also think bringing on Aubameyang and Pepe is the type of player that you keep on in a game like that if Martinelli is not fit. So we may seem like we're nitpicking, but we still need to analyze the game because there were still 45 minutes after the red card to be talked about. Exactly. So Matinho scores and it's two to one at that point. That was, I don't know, in the 60th something minute, but then Leno in the 72nd minute had a brain fart. If that's what we want to call it, he comes out, he uses his hand outside of the box. Dan, in your opinion, is this something that can be justified in some way or is it unforgivable? No, it's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. You can't listen. I've been a massive fan of Leno, and I've I've stuck up for him a big a, a lot because I think that he gets unfair criticism. I think everybody is so obsessed with Emi Martinez that they've just threw a load of abuse at this guy. When I don't even think he's been a bad goalkeeper. I think he's actually been. Um, I will always go as far as to say he's been the most consistent player in the last couple of seasons for us, along with Aubameyang, um, up until this season. So when people started giving him a lot of abuse, I thought it was a bit harsh. When a goalkeeper drops a ball, makes a mistake. That's what happens. Normally, nine times out of ten, it's a goal. When you misjudge something that bad, it's just poor. There's no other word to describe it than poor. And you can come out and say he's tried to rectify it. The only way to rectify that, if you misjudge it, is to either head it, chest it, or boot it. Don't use your hands. You know you're out. He knew straight away. He could see. As soon as he blew the whistle, he just kind of went, oh, dear. I'll know what's coming now. And I don't think I can excuse that. It's a madness moment. Madness moment. The David Luiz one I could half excuse because I'm still not sure that it's a red card and I'm still not sure that he meant it. With Leno, I don't think he knows what's happening there. He's misjudged the whole ball. He's tried to get away with something really silly and I don't think you can excuse that. So the game for me, I was a bit like you, Jess. I thought, you know what? We're playing well enough. With 10 men, let's try and get something out of this. I don't care what it is. Play well. Keep your performance up. Even if you don't nick the point, play well. Leno just killed it for us, unfortunately, then. There was no way back from that. And we saw last night against um, Manchester United, Southampton, what can happen against nine men. So I was just happy after the game to see that we didn't lose by that amount because Southampton, I think, gave up with us. We tried to fight to the end. With nine minutes, impossible to get anything from that game. So Leno, unfortunately, yeah, I, I can't excuse it. I can't excuse it at all. I can't either. You know, and I think this goes back to what Sophie was saying about halftime and Arteta's ability to not only galvanize the team, but calm them down so that they can make the right decisions when they're out there. And this is a part of that. You know, Leno comes off of the field and he's arguing with the refs when he, I mean, what are we arguing about? You handballed it outside of the box. What do you mean? Right. You know, you had your head, you had your chest, you had your knee, you had your foot, and you decided to use your hand. That that means that you were not, you know, you were not mentally there. Like you just, mm-hmm. you made a mistake, you know, yeah. and it, it was, it's costing us because I want Arsenal sometimes to just lose and not let the loss continue on past that game. We never just lose. We lose, you know, we have people out, past then we get more injuries we do this we do that you know and it's just it's unfortunate I've always had my reservations about Leno it's hard to come out with saying something about Leno because he saves us all the time but to be honest guys he's paid to save us you know like that's his job like to me I'm not going to give him extra flowers for doing his job but I am going to be kind of unforgiving if you come out and do something like that we have Runnerson in the goal next against Grealish and co you know, on in the weekend, <laughs> what 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 are we going to do with that in a must win game? You know, is Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan definitely out? Matt Ryan's one hundred percent injured, is he? It, we he might he might not be able to play in that game. You know, God you know, sake. at the beginning of the show when I said um, momentum and the importance of you know he's found like Dan said too he's found a formula he's found a team that this team seems to have more of an identity now, right? You kind of can see him forming the team in his image. I say this a lot on our show, really good managers um, have a team, create a team in their image, their character, their personality. Um, uh, We see that with Klopp. We've seen that with Antonio Conte. We see it with Pep. Um, It's important, right? And we're building towards something. And Leno had five clean sheets. I mean, 
And he has been really under fire because he must have felt the Emmy love. It wasn't easy for him to come in and perform. And he's got to read all that stuff and see all that stuff. And maybe he doesn't, but they know it. They feel it. They do see it. And so to lose him in this manner is just ridiculous. Like what he did was ridiculous. It was such a boneheaded move. It's kind of like when you're out at night and you get really drunk and you do something so stupid, you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And you've got all this remorse and you just feel terrible. And he just made the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes of the season. And now hopefully, you know, he hasn't cost us, but with a goalkeeper that in form, five clean sheets, it's going to be really difficult to overcome that. And these red cards, we he, Arteta needs to fix this. Nine red cards. As I said, the other team is the other teams coming up behind us. Three red cards. Discipline is an issue. It and is. I thought we had got past it, Jess, but clearly, you know, we haven't. And I just cannot believe that he did that. He deserves. I would fine him. Two things I would fine players <laughs> off. Doing stuff like that and not clearing the first defender on a corner. I'd have a little kitty. They have to put money in the kitty and that money goes to charity. That's what I would do. You'd you'd make a charity very happy with our corners. (laughs) And I I just want to say this before we get off of this subject, um, that when you're a team like Arsenal and you're on the fringes of European competition and every single game is like your last, you know, every single point really, really matters. And we can't make, we can't compensate for a lot because we don't, we're not there yet as a team. Um, Mistakes like this really matter. And we will look back at the end of the season. If we do miss out on European competition by a point or so, we will look back at stuff like this. It's, it's just like, if you guys think back to the Olympiacos game, the second leg where we got kicked out of the Europa League, Leno was also at fault there for not kicking the ball out. See, you see how good my memory is? Yeah, I was there for that game. I was there for that game. All he had to do was kick that ball out into the stands, but he turned around and kicked it out for a corner with no pressure on him. And guess who was standing right next to him? David Luiz. See what I'm saying? Like that cost us, you know, luckily we were able to, you know, qualify for um, Europa League through the FA Cup but games like this will come back to bite us. So it may seem like, well, you know, everybody makes a mistake. Not when you're a team on the fringes like we are, where we're constantly being told we don't have any money, we need to qualify for Europe. So it's not just he made a mistake this time. This was a huge mistake, and I hope it doesn't come back to bite us, but usually it does. So you guys go ahead and get your questions in now. Um, everybody in the, the chat box, we're going to – kind of talk about what this means for us um, moving forward. And um, yeah, I want Sophie and Dan to be able to answer your questions. So just make it obvious that it's a question and we'll go ahead and get to them. And just like C. Finnan says, everybody hit the like, subscribe to the channel, and um, don't be afraid to put your questions out there. Let's see. But yeah, um, I did want to kind of round back, round back to the beginning and the first half and what Arsenal playing in that way means for us moving forward. I know that Dan was talking about, we have a style now and it looks like we're moving in the right direction. What do you guys think is the realistic goal for us now? Kind of in the midst of mid table dropping points. What do you think is the highest that we could possibly finish Dan in your opinion? I've never been optimistic about league positions the whole of this season because I see the way that we're playing and I see stuff like last night happen. So I've never really thought that we were ever going to get higher than eighth from last season. Uh, this season's crazy and everyone's dropping points. Everybody is beating everybody. I never would have thought Sheffield United would have beaten Manchester United. I lost two bets at the weekend because Leicester lost the Leeds <laughs> and Everton lost to Newcastle. Crazy season. Crazy, crazy season. But what I will say is um, we are so inconsistent that I think eighth place is probably realistic. I hope I'm wrong. Listen, I hope we can still get as high at the league as possible. But if you was to ask me, where do you think we'll come? I reckon it's eighth. What should be our target? 
highest up the table we can get. And I think top six would probably be where we should be aiming for right now because I don't believe top four has ever been realistic because we're relying on teams to lose three games in hand now, some of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Leeds and Crystal Palace win their and Southampton will win their games in hand, they all go above us, don't they? So we're back down into 12th. So I think we need to be realistic and let's not get too too unrealistic in terms of the optimism for top four because there's definitely four teams better than us in this league 100 percent. i can't than, believe there's people are four. still even talking about top four it's just like oh, it's unbelievable just unbelievable <laughs> i would put all my eggs in the europa league basket because if i would have said to you girls last this time last year that we're going to win the fa cup you would have said i would have been buzzing and we won right. it so why can't we go all the way in the europa league it's a cup competition we are playing football that i think people would not like to play against. We're not conceding goals four or fives a game. And also, I don't think the other English teams in this competition in terms of the Europa League are actually playing amazing football. I look at Leicester, they're losing silly games. Manchester United aren't that great. The table, unbelievable that they are where they are in that in that league. And Spurs have gone Spursy. So let's just sit there and take back, take that into account. That Napoli and AC Milan are good sides, but again, they're not killing it in the in the Serie A. They're doing well, but they're not like wow, no one can touch them. Um, Villarreal is a team that we'll know very much about in terms of Unai Emery, but again, they're that would not be doing so amazing. funny if we met up with them. I- football, just- football, football works that way. Wait and see. <laughs> I'm telling exactly you, we can that. get past Benfica. Uh, Milan, <laughs> Milan are top of Serie A, aren't they? Oh, they yeah, Milan, yeah. yeah, Milan and Inter Milan are fighting yeah. out. They're basically like the old days, the yeah. Milans. Um, obviously, Roma as well, Bevi Leverkusen. There's some teams in it that are good. Mkhitaryan, we could meet Mickey. Yeah, we could meet Mickey again. <laughs> so I look at it and I think, actually, do you know what? I fancy us more in the Europa League than I do to get anywhere near top four. I really do. Because this Premier League is crazy. And I think... We have proven that we're a cup team and we're proven with this manager, whether you love him or hate him, and I'm still unconvinced, trust me, he's proven that he can get us up for big games. And we seem to do well against big teams. So let's hope that that's a good omen going into this competition. I'm still furious and fuming at him, by the way, for dumping us out of the cup like he did. I can't forgive him for that. And I, like everyone's saying to me, oh, the, the league's more important. Well, how did that work out? <laughs> Not very well. Now yeah. we're at the FA Cup. Well done, Mikel. So I can't forgive him for that. So okay. I think, go on, Soph, go on, Soph. I was just going to jump on what you're saying because this season, once again, has proved that we're a really good cup team and we are not ready to compete in the Premier League. It is another stark reminder that we've got a long way to go to be competitive yes. in the Premier League. The beginning of the season, they asked me on the show, what do I want? I said, I just want to be competitive in the Premier League again. I'm not saying we can win it. Just be competitive and win Europa League and get back into the Champions League through Europa League. Why? Because we're a really good team on one-off games. Look at our recent history. We've won four FA Cups in, what, six and a half years, seven years almost, right? And um, in in one-off games, we seem to be able to have that mental strength, which we're lacking over 30-plus games in the Premier League. That's the difference with this team, as well as trying to improve the culture of the football and the style we play on the pitch – What we're trying to do is also change that mentality. And I still think we've got work to do when it comes to mental conditioning. And we see that time and time again, week after week. So if we've learned anything this season, once again, we're a cup team, which is why Arteta made a real big mistake. I was willing to sacrifice the FA Cup if it meant being competitive in the Premier League. But seeing as we weren't, we should have have gone balls out to stay in that competition. Again, it's another route to Europe. And so I think that was a bit of a faux pas. Uh, And I think maybe sometimes he has a bit of an ego and he's a a little stubborn uh, like Pep Guardiola. And that worries me sometimes because I think his his ambition and he should be ambitious was I can turn this around. I can get us into the top four and it hasn't happened. And we're not ready for that. We're just not. We're four or five players away from being able to even do that. I know United changed their fortunes with one player, but United had more pieces in place than us. I think we still have pieces and you they could also argue, have the rest on their side as well. So, yeah. So, and you, <laughs> that's true. You could also argue that we need a pro if a Bamiyang's going to carry on this form, we need like a prolific striker. We need like a Taram to come to the Arsenal. Dan and I really like him and he's been someone that we've talked about in the past. I think we need to look and see how we're going to be able to improve that. So yeah, I mean, we've got to go balls out in the Europa league. Totally agree. 
For sure. Okay, let's go ahead and get into these questions. Sophie, I'm going to stay with you. Mm -hmm. We set up differently knowing we have an iffy goalkeeper on Saturday or just play like we normally would. This is from Matthew D'Souza. Can we play two goalkeepers? (laughs) (laughs) Might need to. Uh, That's the reality. I think if we've seen holding... Hold, look, David Luiz had a really good game against United. He was man of the match. And he was they were having a decent game against Wolves. But positionally, Rob Holding plays a lot better when he has a more intelligent football brain next to him, like a Per Mertesacker, like a Pablo Mari, because they don't have pace, but they're smart about how they play football and the positions they put them in, elevate other players around them. And I think that we've missed that a little bit. Even though we've gone on this run, you can still see against better teams – you know, we could be in trouble. I mean, look what happened against Wolves. So I don't know if he does anything differently other than if Ryan is fit, I think it's going to be okay. If it's Runnison, the confidence for for the defence, let alone him himself, is going to be really difficult. It's really scary because Villa put seven past Liverpool and we're not Liverpool. So it's a real worry. I don't know how else, Dan, he could set up to to make it, you know, make it more sturdy uh, at, at the back there. Said, yeah, you're right. He can go free at the back, but I don't think he will. I think he'll yeah. keep the way he is. I think when Ronison actually played, um, I said to my dad, I said, oh, do you know what? A couple of good saves from the lad. I'll give him that. And then he starts messing around playing ping pong at the back, <laughs> kicking out for corners. And I'm thinking, no, nah, okay, I'll take it back. I hope Matt Ryan's fit. I hope Matt Ryan is fit. That's man. what I'm we really, really need. Yeah. yeah, we need him to be fit because Ronison yeah. doesn't fill me with any confidence. And who the hell signed him, by the way? That's another bloody sacking needed there. You know, what recruitment is this sometimes? Jesus Christ. Apparently, we um, consulted um, the goalkeeper coach, Anaki, yeah, um, so. and I hope we never, ever, ever consult, consult him, with him again. again. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Matthew has another question, and I'll, um, Dan, I'll go to you with this one. Um, I want Arteta to give Pepe an extended run, even if that means playing when Sokka is rested. Will Arteta do that or feel he has to play a bombing? It's a good question. I've been asking Arteta to play the players that deserve to be playing throughout the whole season. So it would be hypocritical of me now to say dump Pepe out because Aubameyang's back because Aubameyang's not the one in form. Pepe, the last three games, has shown us that he's got something there. There's a player there. I'm not quite sure if we're going to see it at Arsenal, but there is a player there. I wanted to see him in a position other than on the right-hand side, and so far it's working. I think Saka is the best in that right-hand side position, and I think that if you're going to play Pepe, it needs to be either ahead of Smith-Rowe or on the left. At the moment, Smith-Rowe's playing too well to drop him, so I think that Pepe needs to be given a run on the left-hand side now. I don't think he will, and the reason I say he won't is because Arteta seems to not like Pepe. I don't know why, he just seems to not like him. There's been a few situations with him where he's thrown him under the bus, um, one example of that is coming out in an interview and calling him a disgrace for getting sent off. Yet when Shaka gets sent off, it's okay. He's just a little bit too passionate. That's not right. So for me, Pepe needs to be given a run because he deserves it. When I've seen Pepe play up top or in a number 10 role, he's killed it. He's given defences an absolutely torrid time. He did it in the FA Cup final against Chelsea, where he played there in the second half for most of it. And he did it at Anfield on Dunai Emery when him and Aubameyang played up front. And he was still, I believe, don't quote me on it, the only player to dribble past Van Dijk last season was Pepe because he was playing in the middle. I would give him a run and I would just play a system that suits this kid and watch him shine because he has got bags of talent, bags and bags of it. I think also in terms of like resource management, it's important to keep Pepe out there on the field. You know, with Aubameyang, he's going to run hit like no matter what happens with him when he leaves, he's going to leave on a free. So that money is gone. You know, but in terms of Pepe, whether we just decide to keep him or not, it's better for us for him to look good and play games and get a run of form. So if he's playing well now, there's no reason to rip him out of the squad especially if he's playing well and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be really honest. I think this is our best front three right now. Um, Front four, actually Uh, Pepe, Lacazette, Saka and ESR. I think it picks itself. Um, The only reason why you bring a bombing in is because you feel like you have to, because of the name on the back of the shirt. That's it. There's no other reason why you'd be doing that. I mean, we're going to have to pay him the money regardless, but in terms of Pepe, if we wanted to, you know, at this point, I'm hoping that we could, we, he stays. But if we had to sell him, 
wouldn't it be better for for us if he played for the the rest of the season and played well rather than letting him rot on the bench and then asking somebody for crazy money when we know we didn't do the right thing to even earn that money like you know what I'm saying like it's just you know I think Pepe has to stay on the side his value went up in the last three games his value diminished so his value's gone back up right and also I can't remember what stat it is Jess but his his stats are a lot better than what you see on the pitch he he flatters to deceive when it comes to the, the stats. I think he's the second player after I can't remember who it is, and I'll have to check my, my I'm having a bit of a brain fart myself here, like but uh, like Leno. Um, but passing assist assists and stuff, I think he's second, and it's really interesting if you look at that stat because it doesn't seem like he's had that many chances. Uh, and you can't drop a player when he's on form like this who can change a game on a whim. And especially against a Villa where they've got Grealish who can change the game on a whim. We need players out there that can do the same. So it would be um, really bad management to not start him because he's also the kind of player that plays with confidence. And he needs regular regular football to continue um, the momentum and his form. And I think Arteta will be really wrong if he dumps him uh, against Villa. Yeah, I agree. But um, you guys, this is my my friend Maxwell. He's that's my boy, and but he says Maxwell. He thinks Pepe will be dropped on Saturday, and I'm if he drops him, I'm gonna be so angry. Like he's twenty five years old. He can play multiple. First of all, he hasn't played all season, so he can have a run of games now, and he should. There's no reason to even bring a bomb. Like there's nobody fighting him for that spot. Martinelli is not fit. Clearly. And Aubameyang is not – he hasn't been around either. So, yeah. I mean, I just don't understand why we we've seen him. We've seen him do it before with players. Yeah. So, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Okay. Lone Star Londoner has a question for Sophie. <laughs> 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 you know how many cups of tea I have split – or I think he meant split, dropped, or literally thrown against the wall because of clown like David Louise. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Bless. I don't think I can do another year. Do you guys think you can do another year? I mean, oh, there was talks of another no. No. A contract extension. Just let if, him go, man. Yeah, if Arteta really wants to move this team forward, we've got to move on from players like that. And there's no disrespect to David Luiz. There's times where he's been really good for us and he's been an actual leader and clearly they like him in the dressing room. He's very popular with the players. And that's really important when you have a young crop of players coming through. But I don't think we do that. And by the way, my partner was on a business call yesterday when that whole thing, when Leno got sent off. And uh, let's just say her entire meeting heard, uh, you know, me yelling and me going nuts and crazy. I mean, I, I don't know what I had in my hands. I think I was holding my mobile phone which I didn't throw against the TV, thank goodness. But man, yeah, I can imagine. No more no more spilling tea. Um, let's drink it instead and let's move on and, and not have players like that in the team if we really want to rebuild for next season. Yeah, I think that was a good reminder that even though we got rid of Mustafi, we still left a little bit behind. And that's David Louise. He's he's right up there with the the most the players that have the most traumatic, you know, memories for me. I just, I know he's not a bad player. I get it, experience and all that kind of stuff. But I just, I can't take another. Yeah, no. I can't take it. Another it's time year. to move on. It's time I to move so. on. And Chambers and El Neni and all those. I would actually for now keep Xhaka just because of the way he's playing with party. But again, if we want to move up the table, be more competitive, you've got to go get Thomas Party, the right team. Look what we did. We wasted the Alexis Sanchez, Santi, Ozil years by not building around them. You know, we'd only sign one marquee player a year and, and you know, the board and the owners would say, hey, be happy, be excited. This is now the time in the last 18 months where we're really starting to put, we've spent more money, we've we've really started to put plays in different positions. But now you've got to back the Tierney, Saka, ESR, Martinelli, Party, Gabriel era. And you've got to do it because it will be another wasted chapter in Arsenal's uh, history books, unfortunately. True, true. I was saying this on the on my little rant stream that embarrassing <laughs> stream that I did yesterday. I'm so embarrassed that I did that. But um, I was saying that it's strange to me how we bought Jaka, and at the time he was like 35 million, which is a lot to invest in a player. Mm-hmm. And we brought him in, and he's played under four managers and under at least two regimes at this point. And nobody's thought to put him next to an athletic box to box player that could help him out because he's immobile. 
why does it take this long? He's been at the club, just had his 200th game for us here for five years. Mm-hmm. Why don't we ever build the squad? Why do we just, if it was that simple, you know, I still don't think Jaka is the long-term, you know, answer, but if you're no. going to invest that amount of money on somebody, um, I think it's like resource management 101, like put some, make sure that your investment is built around so it works for you. And wow. Kevin says that all the time on the show, Jess, about the fact that, you know, we haven't really for 10 years, you know, it's taken us 10 years, what, to get a play like Thomas Party to resolve that issue. Exactly. It's taken us how many years to get, Koscielny was probably, you know, Mertesacker, um, you know, but also injury prone, right? Vermaelen injury prone. Koscielny was injury prone. Um, we have to, if we want to compete, we've got to get better quality. We just really do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask Dan something about Jaka, but I just feel like I'm, it's like a trigger. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I don't because I think he's, you know, I'm not a Jaka love. Like I'm not a Jaka lover. I've been killed online multiple times about talking about Jaka, but mm. I think he's played well. I think he's been playing so do I. well. Yeah. So do I. You know, but, but I still want Basuma in the summer. Like, I still want Basuma Yeah, Basuma, Basuma would partner Thomas Party much better. Listen, Chaka, the best way to uh, to explain Granit Chaka, he's a guy who, who, who gets out of jail and goes and robs a bank. He just you're just waiting for him to do something. I just can't stand players like that, man. He's, but he's really smart, insane. though. Have you guys noticed that? He's he's really smart. He's intelligent in the way where he knows where his bread is buttered, you know, like what side. Like he he knows to get close to Arteta. He knows how to look professional, look the part, be the captain. To me, he's a Swiss version of Arteta. And I think he knows that that's probably why Arteta likes him. And I think he knows I think he knows what to do. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly what to do. He knew that when he got his chance to play with Thomas Party, he needed to do a good job to make sure that Danny and Elneny never played again. He put them when, in the dirt. When um, when I met the team here in LA, Xhaka was the most impressive for me in terms of professionalism, how he carried himself, how he spoke to the media, um, how the players behaved around him. Um, and I was really impressed. And I could understand why a couple of managers have made him captain. I can totally see that. Unfortunately, you know, it's a little bit like, not to reference the NFL again, but Tom Brady, okay, is a great quarterback. He's won six rings. He could win his seventh. There's been times where he's had weapons around him and not, and sometimes he's done it on his own. Jack is the type of player that needs weapons around him to be able to function. Mm -hmm. And right now you're seeing him next to, like Dan said, we stole Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid. I mean, it's unbelievable that he's come to Arsenal to see that type of quality player. What a difference that guy makes. He's complete mustard. Uh, I want to wrap him up in cotton wool, Saka, Tierney. I'm so worried about Tierney being injury prone, to be yeah. honest with you. But I can see why Xhaka, um, you know, is a leader on this team, having seen it firsthand as well. Doesn't mean he's a great player, though. Don't get me wrong. Don't start throwing darts, everyone. <laughs> yeah, true. I agree with I that. Think- I think with 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 Chaka, listen. I, I I've just to wrap up on Dranit Chaka. I think that he is a player who has good games, and I will say when he has good games, one hundred percent. My problem with it is I've seen him let us down too many times over the last four years, and I've seen him make the same mistakes. And when players make the same mistakes, that frustrates me. I've seen him hack players. I've seen him pass the ball wrong. I've seen him pass the ball back wrong, and that just frustrates the hell out of me. A bit like with David Luiz and Mustafi. In terms of what I believe going forward with Granite Chaka, if we're going to stay him in the side, we're going to have somebody with no athleticism. We're going to have somebody who's a one-trick pony who can literally have a left foot, and that is pretty much all it is. I want to see more than that in midfield going forward. And if Basuma is that man, brilliant. If it's not Basuma, if it's Samare, Sangare, whoever it be, let's just let's just get that man into partner Thomas Party because we can do better than Chaka, 100%. All right. There you have it. Well, I've had so much fun on this stream with you guys. Thank you, Sophie and Dan, for being here and um, and being the guests instead of the host this time. How did you guys <laughs> like it? Was it fun? Was you're it doing fun? Okay. Yeah, you're doing I just wanted to say that I love seeing women talk football and I especially like seeing younger uh, voices come through. And you're doing a great job. Keep it up. 
Uh, you have a really good insight. Your football knowledge is fantastic, you know, uh, from tactics to the history, remembering Leno taking that dodgy corner <laughs> in the Europa League against Olympiagos. You know, it's uh, it's really good to see you, what you're doing and growing. And um, however we can support you, we will. And we are looking forward to hosting you on the Highbury Squad on Friday. Yes, you guys, I'll be on the Highbury Squad on Friday. So look out for that. And you guys always know that you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessinho. And Sophie, really quick, where can they find you? Um, we're at Highbury Squad. And if you want to follow me uh, at Soccer Diva on Twitter, and of course, check out our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of different content on there, not just game day content as well. So thanks for letting us uh, have a chat on your show and some really good comments from your listeners, some smart, some smart folks you have there in your chat room. Yes, yes. Dan, where can they find you? Uh, Jess, been an absolute pleasure coming on. You know, I love you, man. You're welcome on our show anytime as well. Um, if anyone wants to come and follow myself, it's at Dan Arsenal87. Or if you want to come and follow the podcast, it's at Same Old AFC. Same Old Arsenal is on every Monday and every Friday from seven o'clock. Um, thanks to everyone in the chat. Please come and follow Jess and, and support this channel. She's a great girl and she's got some good content and um, is very knowledgeable. Uh, so I echo what Sophie says. Me and Sophie are extremely close and uh, we, uh, we will always support post uh, podcasts that we uh that we are welcome on so thank you very much jess definitely all right you guys it's been fun but we got to get out of here so i'll talk to you guys on the next one bye everyone oh.